Well, good morning, Twin Rivers Church. Uh, my name is Jared Taylor, and I am one of the elders here at Twin Rivers. And uh, it's good to be here with you this morning. Um, some of you might have already figured that Jeremiah wasn't teaching today because you've noticed the podium is off the lower step. And so uh, <laughs> it's been moved up. Uh, thanks for the, for the easy laugh, Jeremiah. Um, and honestly, if it's down there, I can't see as well anyways. So um, anyways, thanks for being here. And, um, and also, it's a, the body of Christ, just a neat place. You know, we've gathered here for years, and, and I'm looking out here and seeing if we see Mike and Karen Hunter. Are you guys here? You got your hands up? I see them up there and their family. If you've been here for a, for a long time, Mike and Karen Hunter um, were here. So they're our family. Then they, they moved to Georgia. You know, to, to go to, to take a different job and go there, but they're back visiting. And so I always love it when the body of Christ is here as a family, and then they, they depart, and then they come back, and you get to see them. What a, what a joyous time that is. Um, so a couple quick, real quick announcements. I didn't make it in the first announcement this morning. High school group um, at church, we're meeting tonight here at the church at 630 um, and then this week, parents and, and the youth in the high school group expect to see like a postcard, an email, or the band app. And some of you are like, what's the band app? But I'm sure you're, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you have a family, you know what the band app is. Um, but there'll be some announcements about what's coming up this July and this August for part of the youth or the summer routines. And a lot of that stuff will be Sunday right after church and the different activities and, and getting God's word. And so be, be looking for that. Um, let's open up with the word of prayer this morning. Lord, thank you for today. Lord, this is a day that you have made. Lord, let us rejoice and be glad in it. Father, today is a day where, uh, Father, we're just going to be talking to graduates, Lord, and through your word. Lord, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a time in the graduate's life where, where they're, they're, they're moving on, Lord. And I pray that early on they're established in the truths of your word. And uh, Lord, just go before me. Give me the words to say this morning and to articulate it well. In Jesus' name, amen. Every ask yourself, why am I that person? Um, I was thinking that last night. Um, can I just do a graduation ceremony, a graduation message that without all the don'ts, just the do's? You know, and, and, and uh, sometimes I find myself often being the guy that's warning people versus guy being the guy that's always shooting for the moon. You know, and so this morning, my hope is this morning that yes, there's some don'ts as you get started in life, but there's a lot of do's as well. And so... Um, Graduates, you just finished high school. You've labored and you've satisfied all the requirements that were placed and hurdles that were placed in front of you. You sent out your postcards with your cute face on those to, to family and friends, um, announcing the big day of graduation or the commencement ceremony. The day of your commencement ceremony arrived, and all the business and, and the excitement of life of that day seemed to unfold as you wore that, that hot, black, ugly robe, right, with that awkward square hat that you can never figure out which way it goes on. Um, the day, it was a day with your class, speaker after speaker, names being read, sappy songs sung, this was your day. There's one small little insignificant little ceremony that takes place in graduations. And I'll say this first and foremost, if you were part of Thurston graduation, which a few of us were this year, you missed this whole thing, which I think is the biggest important, most important part of a graduating ceremony. You missed it because you got too excited and you started throwing your hats too soon. Um, but this little insignificant ritual that occurs um, in graduation, parents are always excited to be done, you know, moving on and people are getting itchy in their seats. 
Um, but it's important that you catch this at a, at a commencement ceremony. It's when they say, you may take your tassel and move it from one side to the other. Okay? It, it's a, you can take it from the right and you take it over to the left. It's a symbol of the stages of life, moving on from one stage of life unto the next. It's a tipping point. The whole commencement ceremony is built for this one point. The graduation ceremony isn't really about the past or the end of something, as it is about the beginning. A beginning, this is what commencement means, it's a beginning. It's a beginning. A start of something new. The word literally means start something new. It's the idea that you're in your starting blocks on a track. And your hands are down, and your eyes are fixed down the the track in your lane. And then the gun goes off. And there you go as well. Today's message is not just for graduates from high school, but all those who are crossing over from one stage of life to the next. It could be a new job. It could be a recommitment to your life in Christ. It could be a new marriage, starting a new family, approach to retirement, retirement, or beginning a new walk with Jesus. Graduates, as you begin, remember Psalms 1, the very beginning chapter in the longest book in the Bible. Let's stand together as we read Psalms 1 together. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked will perish. You may be seated. Graduates, the chapter's overarching theme is the two, the only two ways a person will live out their life. Rich, poor, sick, healthy, the righteous way or the unrighteous way. The six verses in this chapter are being broken down into three parts for you note-takers out there. The first two verses, verses 1 and 2, are the contrasting sources of values. The contrasting sources of values. Verses 3 and 4, the contrasting fruitfulness. Verses 3 and 4, the contrasting fruitfulness. And verses 5 and 6, the contrasting outcomes of the righteous way versus the unrighteous way. Let's start by contrasting the sources of values that are odds with each other. Verse 1, blessed is the man. Blessed here means completely happy, full of contentment in God, enjoying God's favor over your life. Why are we blessed? How are we blessed? 
The world around you will trick you, will lull you into thinking that the blessed are the ladder climbers who fills his house with stuff. Or the blessed man is the one that is liked by all and has many friends. That the blessed man is an influencer on the latest and greatest social media app. Words the kids would say platform. <laughs> Listen to what Psalms 32, 1 tells us. Psalms 32, 1. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Again, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. Did you catch that? Blessed is the one that's truly happy because his sins are forgiven. What we deserve, as we're born in this world in our sinful nature, is a life apart from God forever and ever. Only finding temporary satisfaction and in, in filling, our, filling our contentment with things that are temporal, though things will pass away. And the emptiness that this world has to offer. But by his mercy and grace, he rescued you and me by his shed blood of Jesus. Graduates, as you begin, remember, only the forgiven in Christ are truly happy and considered blessed. The text continues, Blessed, truly happy is the man who, if you're like me, you think, perfect, just tell me what I need to do. Right? But first there's some warnings. Who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Notice the pattern here. Notice the progression. Who stands... Blessed blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. As you're walking, the counsel of the ungodly is in your ear, is in your head. Okay, then the progression is that you stand in the way of sinners. You've gotten comfortable. And then sit in the seat of mockers is the next step of progression. Okay, I want you guys to read this part as as a stern warning of spiritual decay over time. A picture of the frog in the pot on the stove with lukewarm water with it set to high. Slowly dying, degree by degree, but not knowing. Graduates, practically speaking, what does it mean to walk in the counsel of the wicked? To stand in the way of sinners, to sit in the seat of scoffers. The step one of progression is walk in the counsel of the wicked. As you casually begin your journey, you start walking. You know what you are, you know who you believe, but then the world starts counseling and you start getting in your head. The world counsels us in various ways. This is not an exhaustive list, but I want to focus on a couple ways in which the world graduates will counsel you. And this isn't just for graduates, this is for, for myself included and all of you out there as well. Number one, what counsels us? Our phones counsel us. Before I get a bunch of amen from parents on that one, right? Uh, we too are guilty at times of uh, purging ourselves, our mind on our cell phones. 
Um, we fill our minds with what the world says is important, what the world says is valuable to it, and it says who we are. The hours and hours of scrolling through social media, taking in images, sound bites, videos, counsel from the world. Our minds start to crave those things. It's a trap that we fall into. I remember years ago, uh, <laughs> my wife and I were doing an addition on our house, and kind of planning for that, I remember becoming consumed with the internet to where it, was, it became an unhealthy thing for me. What I was doing, I was like, how do I want this addition to look? So I started, as I, as I was driving around, I'd see key fe- features of a building or a house, and I'd take a picture of it, and I'd save it to a file on my phone. Then I'd go back home and I'd say, oh, I kind of want this style. And I'd scan for hours and look at the perfect style that I was after, what I wanted it to look like. I'd save those pictures. I'd find myself and my wife and I would go somewhere. Um, I think, in fact, we took a trip one time on our own just to go do this. But went to Bend and took some pictures of some house styles and things. I started to become absolutely consumed. When I'd be just doing random things, I'd drive by and say, oh, that's a great color. Oh, I like that. I wonder what kind of stain that is. I wonder, and my mind started to crave those things. In and of themselves, those things are not wrong. Right? But I knew myself, and I knew that I was giving my mind over. It was craving those things because my mind was spending time, too much time, in those thoughts. So it's graduates, be careful of that. Worldly entertainment counsels us. Worldly entertainment counsels us. Ever thought about this? The council of the world tells us what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. G, PG, PG-13, TV-14, R. <laughs> might sound crazy, but the, the world is the one that created that system that guides what's right and wrong. And we follow it. Phew, I just turned 18. Now it must be okay for me to watch these things. Every time we see we start a show or something, a movie, you see that thing at the top left hand or right hand corner, forget which one it is, the little black and white thing that shows the rating. We should tell ourselves Philippians 4.8. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. The <laughs> next time you're watching something, that little block, wouldn't it be cool if you could just, it could just switch and it could just say Philippians 4.8 and then you could recite the verse and then you could continue what you're watching, right? And see how that would guide what you're doing. Okay, number three here. Well, again, this is under walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Relationships counsel us for righteousness or unrighteousness. Peers counsel us. I work at a school and when I counsel kids at school, I always, I ask them, Show me your four, I tell them, show me your four friends, and I'll tell you who you are. That so often holds true. Our peers counsel us. I remember when I was younger, I would uh, be out with the friends for an overnight or for a day, an afternoon, and I'd come home, and just by my attitude, my mannerisms, my comments, my flippantness back to my mom, she would know exactly whose house I was at. It was always impressive how she could do that. How did she know I was there? Because our friends counsel us for good or for bad. I was super encouraged a few weeks ago that the elders and deacons got together and Jeremiah challenged us with the idea in our life, speaking of just counsel. He, counsels, he advised us to, to have a, who, who's, our, who's the Paul in our life? 
Who's the, the spiritually mature one that we, we, we go to, that we, we, we fall under their tutelage, and we learn from them? At the same time, who's our Timothy? Who's the one at the same time that whereas we're getting poured into, we're pouring into someone else? My challenge for you peers is to find a Paul and find a Timothy soon, if you don't already have one. Graduates, guard yourself against the counsel of the wicked. Live a life that pursues holiness and a life that is set apart from the counsel of the world. The second progression in verse 1 is easy to predict if you have given yourself over to walk in the counsel of the wicked. You end up standing in the way of sinners. This is simply just how you do life now. Nothing wicked seems to really bother you anymore. You become desensitized to the ways of the wicked. The, the things of God now become strangely dim and distant and no longer at the forefront of your mind. Your life mirrors the world and the desires that are in the world and of the world. And you find yourself standing in its way. The third progression, verse 1, is where one sits in the seat of scoffers. This is one where not only a life standing in the way of sinners, but now advocates for the way of the unrighteous. I'm going to read Romans 128 through 32 to you. It says, Romans 1, uh, 28 through 32. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, they gave themselves up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manners of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. You guys ever been around somebody that just, people that are just inventors of evil? Boy, that's hard. The jokes just seem to keep getting worse and worse and more and more foul. Just inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. I always thought it was interesting how the, the inventors of evil was right before disobedient to parents. Um, foolish, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but to get approval to those who practice them. This is what sitting in the seat of scoffers looks like. I have, probably some of you out there as well too, I've held in my life these three different postures at different times. I've walked, I've stood, I've sat in unrighteousness. But a lot of us will say here, but thanks be to God for new beginnings. By the power of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, we can have a newness of life in him. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on a tree, the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And now the contrast in verse 2. Okay, so those were all the don'ts. Okay. Now the contrast in verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. We can read it like this. Blessed or truly happy is the man who delights, who finds joy and satisfaction in the law of the Lord. Sometimes the word law can sound so like, Negative, 
so restrictive, right? Oh, I can't go over 55, right? Oh, the speed limit's 20. Got to slow down a little bit. Oh, I can't fish in this part of the river. I've got to fish in the other part of the river. That's too bad, right? It can, it's, at times, sounds so restrictive. Um, but read it this way. The word law and the word instruction are interchangeable here. But his delight is in the instruction of the Lord. And on his instruction, he meditates day and night. We're to delight. We are to find joy in the word. You ever tried to put something together from Ikea before? <laughs> and by the way, seniors, this is for younger folks too, and you know, if you move on and maybe you get married and your, your, your wife says, hey, why don't we just run up to Portland for a half a day and go to Ikea and get some bunk beds? <laughs> run. <laughs> right? Find something else purposeful to do that day. Uh, boy, I remember years ago, what a nightmare. We got, it was like a bunk bed or something large we had to set up. And I remember getting that and trying to assemble the bunk bed. And, and uh, I thought I'd save some time by skipping the instruction manual. I remember getting into this thing, and there was more. I could have built a car, but it was, you know, in less parts. But there's so many parts to this thing, and I thought, like, I can figure this out. I don't need the instruction manual. I just started doing it. Got about a third of the way into it, and I realized I messed up. I had the steps out of place. <laughs> it was all wrong. I remember thinking those instructions are just for people that don't know how to hold a screwdriver, right? Surely those can't be for me. What I had to do is I had to take that thing apart. I'm sure there was an argument in there somewhere with my wife about how I was supposed to read the, insurance, the instruction manual. But um, I went back and I had to disassemble this thing. It took three times as long to disassemble this thing and put it all back together. I needed, I needed that manual. I needed to meditate on it step by step to get it right. Psalms 1 graduates instructions, instructs us to meditate on God's word day and night all the time. I'm not a cow guy here at all, um, but I know there's some in the room here, quite a few actually, which surprises me. Um, I always complain about the cows, but like they seem to keep buying them. Uh, but, but the cows, and I don't know much about cows besides they have more than one stomach. And uh, so what cows do is they chew their cud. So they eat the grass, they swallow it, it goes to a stomach, and then they burp it back up again. They chew on it, swallow it, spit it back up again. Chew it, swallow it. Burp it back up again. That's the same way we already do with God's word. Study it, chew on it, digest it, spit it back up again, chew on it some more. Now I have this friend that I don't talk to much anymore, but I just love this guy. This guy's name is Brandon Combs. He's lived at the Young Life Camp over in Eastern Oregon. And my wife and I would go visit their family years ago. And always one of those people, and you probably have these people in your life too that when you're around them, God's word just seems to ooze off their tongue. And I've always been in a healthy way jealous of this guy. You just know he, the, the time that he spends in God's word, digesting it, chewing on it. You can't talk to the guy for more than five minutes before somehow some verse pops into his head and he shares it with you. This reminds me of this. It's just super impressive. Just because he, he was so connected um, through his study and meditation of God's word. Graduates, blessed is the man who delights in the instructions of the Lord, who delights in a spending time in God's word for instruction on everything that life will throw at you. There is not, 
This is important. There's not a situation in life coming up that God does not provide an answer to in his word. There's not something that will happen in your life that God does not provide an answer to. It might not be what you want to hear, but he provides an answer to it. Let's read verses 3 through 4 together. So it says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. But the wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. This verse, these verses illustrate the, the contrast of the fruitful life when you walk in the way of the righteous or the way of the unrighteous. It says, Blessed or truly happy is the man who delights, who finds joy and satisfaction in the law or the instruction of the Lord. For, as a result of that, he is like a tree planted by streams of water. You know, I think a lot of people out here like to go for hikes and, and be in the outdoors. And I'm in the outdoors walking through the woods every once in a while. Because of this passage here, I've always had this stuck in my head. I, I just love the imagery here of just a tree planted by streams of water. You ever seen those streams in the woods? Walking along, and you've got this mountain brook that's cascading down somewhere. And you've got this, let's say a big fir tree that's growing, that's super healthy and vibrant and big. But on one side, it's got its roots that are massive in size. Super strong. They're exposed from the banks of the shore, but they've got their, their, their roots deep into the saturated soil next to that stream for life. It just always reminds me of this beautiful picture here of the life of a well-planted tree that finds its sustenance in the Word. The one who delights in the Word has their roots deep in the truths of the Word, the very thing that produces a vibrant, healthy, and fruitful life. Graduates, delight in God's Word. Delight in God's Word. It continues, that yields its fruit in its season and leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. All that he does, he prospers. Graduates, three things I want you to note here. There are seasons of life when it gets hard and you can't see the fruit. Ever seen a fruit tree in the wintertime? Looks like it's dead. Looks like you go just push it over. There's nothing going on there. But, oh, there's something going on in that fruit tree. And I'm not a farmer. Okay? But I can assume, I know that there's something going on in that fruit tree. That something's good is going to happen. That it's going to produce fruit soon. When you feel like that in your life, when those struggles come, those difficult times, be confident. Rest in the fact that God is actively, actively at work in your life. Remain in him, graduates, because the fruit is coming. Number two from this passage, there's a prospering, a spiritual prospering. That's important to recognize here. It's a prospering, a spiritual prospering, a deepening of a relationship with him that occurs in our lives when we are faced with these difficulties, which ultimately leads to our good spiritually. This is what prosper means in Psalms 1, what it's referring to. This isn't some cheap American prosperity gospel of health and wealth and He's going to prosper me in some way that, that, that satisfies the appetites and the desires of my, of my heart. Okay. This is a spiritual prospering it's referring to here. It says in James 2, 1 through 4, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith, difficult times, produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, 
lacking in nothing. Point three of this section here. Trees do not produce fruit for the tree to enjoy. Ever thought about that? See these fruit trees? They're out there. Man, I used to love when I used to work at Herrick's Farms when I was in middle school or high school. I used to pick peaches. Man, the trees in the, the late summer were just hanging with peaches. And um, that is, is, they're probably laughing because that's the job I got fired from for throwing a peach at my boss. But that's a different, that's a, that's a different sermon. Okay, but, the, but the peach tree, the, 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 these amazing peaches just be hanging there. You ever thought, like, I wonder if the tree ever is jealous that it can't eat its own fruit? Right? It can't. It, just, it, it produces this amazing fruit, but it, it, it can't eat the fruit. Um, the fruit that is produced is for the benefit of others. For the spiritual benefit of others. When God prospers you in whatever ways he chooses, the fruit produced is for the nurturing and encouragement of those around you. Don't feed yourself. Feed others. Graduates, you want to be a tree that is rooted deep in the word, that produces lots of fruit for spiritual benefit of others. One quick challenge here, folks, as, you have, as the Lord just produces fruit in your life by faithfulness to him, is serve. At your young age, any age really in here, but especially at a young age, serve. Don't be the one that just is about consumption, but letting people feed you all the time. Serve others. If you're wondering how to do that, man, there's so many ways in the church to serve. There's so many ways in the community just to serve. Serve with the, with the fruits God's given you. The text continues, The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. It's not too often where we live that we see chaff. I mean, Jesse Berg at Franz Bakery might see chaff every once in a while, but probably not. You probably get your grain, right? Your wheat, okay, already processed. But in many parts of the world, the way it's like a threshing floor imagery here, right? You've got your, your grain, you've got your, your stalks and your, you know, the grain and the husk all together. And on the threshing floor, they lay those out. Ox walk on, people walk on, they smash them with different things. And a lot of times those, those threshing floors are just below the surface, because what they do, they're trying to separate the, the, the valuable part, the kernel, the nugget of, of grain, okay, from the, the, the worthless chaff. And they, they have these threshing floors a little bit under the ground level, so that when they throw it up into the wind, the valuable kernels fall to the ground. But the wind and the swirling winds will take that chaff and it'll drive it somewhere else. And what's left is the, is, is the nugget. Um, in many places, too, the chaff is a nuisance, right? It's just everywhere. It's in, it's in people's houses. It's in the, in the roads, the streets, because it just blows wherever it wants to go. This is a different scene than the one that, where the tree is connected to the, the streams of water. This is dry. This is not rooted where it's stable. This is where the ideology of the world will drive you like chaff to whoever it chooses, Graduates, be careful of that. Toss them around by what feels good. Oh, if it feels right, just do it. It's okay. The winds of the world. Chaff does not benefit anyone. Such is a contrast to the God, godly fruit that is useful for others. Finally, verses 5 through 6 says this. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Graduates, 
the way of the righteous and the way of the unrighteous are the only paths for all of eternity. Are you going to walk? And this is in the counsel of the ungodly? Or just stand just in a sinful life? Or are you going to sit in the seat of mockers? Or are you going to delight in his instruction for your life and bear much fruit? As you begin, graduates, ask yourself, whom will I serve? Which path will I take? I'm going to read Joshua 24 to you real quick. Joshua 24, 14 through 16. Joshua 24, 14 through 16. It says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your father served in the region and beyond the river or the god of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. You read that part, I always think of like in the land we dwell. Like right here, it's talking about or the gods of Amorites, or the land that we currently dwell here, there's gods as well that I addressed earlier. But here's the key, seniors. I guess you're not seniors anymore, you're graduates. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Man, put that on, a, put that on your door frames. Memorize that. When you feel like in life gets hard, always go back to that. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In a moment, we're going to end with a song that says, I have decided to follow Jesus. My hope is that's how you begin. Here's some of the lyrics to the song. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for the truths of your word that never return void, Lord. Even in the seasons of our life when we feel like the fruit tree is dead, Father, you're at work. Lord, you're prospering us spiritually. Lord, I pray for these graduates this year as they start out in this new phase of life, moving on, Father. Maybe they, maybe they just be grounded like a tree that's planted by streams of water. Lord, firmly rooted in the truths of your word. Mother, creating, Father, just creating them a desire for your word, a delight in your word. Father, stir in them the desire to get to know you more and more. Lord, um, for those of you this morning that have yet to put their faith in Jesus, Lord, I pray that today is the day of salvation for them. Lord, it says in your word that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that he is God and he's raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Lord, I pray that somebody that doesn't know Jesus this morning and they hear this message, not because of the words I said, but because of the power of your Holy Spirit, 
I pray that you save people, Lord, this morning. Lord, uh, we love you, Father. Thank you for these graduates, Lord. Thank you for the investment they've had in this church, Lord. Thank you for the example that they've set to all of us, Lord, in different little ways, Lord. I pray that you mature them in you. Father, may their roots run deep. Father, we love you. Thank you for the time together. In Jesus' name, amen.